This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those of you who are watching today. Most likely we have some watching for the first time. Thank you for tuning in. Today our subject is entitled, A Plea for Christ. A Plea for Christ. I hope that you will stay tuned. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible course for benefit of those watching for the first time. We'd like to give you the information about the course and let you learn how you can receive the free Bible correspondence course. Why don't we pause for just a moment? To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 5, we have this reading, and this the occasion is the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. While he was yet speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. In the 21st century, there are many voices being raised calculated to attract the attention of men. That there is the voice of the evolutionist who says you are the result of an accident. Just something that happened eons ago. And don't worry, there is no God anyway. And then there is the voice of the materialist who believes that the end result of life is what you possess in life and that you should get the most out of life. And he says you just need to eat and you need to drink and you need to be merry because tomorrow you may die and it will all be over. And then there's the voice of the sensualist. And that voice says, just go for it. If it feels good, just do it. If you find pleasure and enjoyment in it, just go ahead and do it. And then there is the voice of the false religionist who declares every man is a law unto himself. And you can take the Bible and you can interpret the Bible any way you want to. 
Friends, in the midst of all of these confusing voices, I would like to make a plea for Jesus. I would like to make a plea for Jesus that we hear him. God declared in Matthew 17 and 5, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And I can't think of a reason that we should not. Inasmuch as Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So why should we not listen to Jesus? Why should we not listen to Jesus inasmuch as there is salvation and no other name under heaven that's been given among men? Except the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. You see, I need to listen to Jesus. And I make a plea today that we listen to Him. Because Jesus is our hope. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul said that He was an apostle of God by the commandment of God in Jesus Christ, our hope. And Jesus is our hope. And Christ is our salvation. So what I would like to do today on getting to know your Bible is make a plea for Christ. I lift up Jesus. And I make a plea for Christ's authority. Now granted, in the religious world today, there are many standards of of authority, so-called standards of authority, that, that men use in determining matters of a religious nature. With some people, the church has become their final authority. With others, the synods, the councils, and the conferences that men have settle all matters that they have in, that, that are in of a religious nature. With other people, one's opinion is, is authoritative. They, they accept what your opinion is and my opinion, your, their opinion and my opinion and someone else's opinion as being just as authoritative as is the Word of God. And then some people take the positions that they have been taught by relatives and they accept those and they serve as their authority. Uh, they may say, well, my father taught this and my mother believed that. And, and, and I had a, a relative in my family that was a pre preacher and, by, and he believed this and he taught this. But is that where we need to, to be today? I want to make a plea right now that, that we accept Christ authority. Listen to God again. Matthew 17 and verse 5. This is my beloved son. This is my son. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. You listen to him. Hebrews chapter 1 and 1 reads God who at sundry times and in divers manner spake unto the fathers by the prophets, 
hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Sometimes you'll hear individuals say, well, you know, God spoke to me the other day and, and God told me to tell you this and God told me to tell you to do this. I frankly am afraid of people like that because God today speaks to man, but it's through his son and it's through the revealed will of his son. In John 12 and 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him, that the word that I have spoken, that the same shall judge him at the last day. You see, we're not going to be judged by what I think someone has said to me. And, and I will not be judged by what I, what I thought about a certain matter. I'm not going to be judged by what a group of people have been doing. I will be judged by the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason I'm making a plea for his authority. In John the 5th chapter, in the verse 27, the Bible says that he gave him authority to execute judgment. Well, why did he do that? Because he's the son of man. Jesus has authority. As a matter of fact, he has it all. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. What is your authority? Does your authority come from heaven or does it come from a man? In Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 23, the Bible says, reads like this. This is what it says. And when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? So here they were wanting to know the authority Jesus had to do the things he was doing. Well, the truth is God had given him all authority, Matthew 28, 18. But Jesus answered and said to them, I'll just ask you one thing. Well, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus said, now you've asked me, where did I get my authority for the things that I'm saying? the things I'm doing. Where was my authority? And Jesus said, now, I'll just ask you one thing, and you answer this one question, and then I'll answer your question. And the question is, by what authority, uh, you and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, here's the question. Verse 25, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? Now, it's either divine in its origin or earthly. So he said, I'm asking you the baptism of John. Where was it from? Was it from heaven, that is, from God? Or was John's baptism from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, in other words, they got together, heads together, had a little business meeting. And this is what we, they said. If we say from heaven... 
He'll say to us, why then did you not believe him? In other words, if, if John's baptism was authorized by heaven, they're going to know, why did you not believe John? But if we say from men, that is, John's baptism was just strictly some, some fabrication of man, so if we say it was from men, we fear the multitude. For all count John as a prophet. So these people had a, had a problem. And the problem was they, 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 they Jesus asked them, where did John's baptism come from? Did it come from heaven? Did it come from men? Was it authorized by God? Was it authorized by man? And say, we just don't know. Then Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you but what authority I do these things. If you can't answer my question, I'm not going to answer your question. But you know, the question that was posed here is a pretty good question. By what authority you do these things? And is your authority from heaven or is it from men? What I would like to do is to lift up the New Testament as our authority. Listen to Hebrews chapter 9 beginning in verse 15. And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions which were under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. I lift up the New Testament as the, the word of our Lord, I lift it up as our authority to go by in matters of a religious and a spiritual nature today. When I want to know what God would have me to do, I need to go to the Bible. So I make a plea for Jesus' authority. But I also make a plea for Christ's church. In the long ago, Jesus stated a, a bedrock truth that shall never change. And that bedrock truth is found in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 18. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I want to make an appeal today. I want to make a plea for the Christ church, for the church of his choice. In Hebrews the 12th chapter and verse 23, there, there the Bible says to the gen general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven. It is the church of the firstborn and the firstborn being Jesus, the Christ. I want to make a plea for the church that our Lord promised to build in Matthew 16, 18. It was to begin in the city of Jerusalem in Isaiah, the second chapter, and in verse 2. The prophet was predicting the coming of the house of God. And he said, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains 
and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It began, it was to begin in the city of Jerusalem. And it began on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. According to Acts the second chapter and verse number one. Acts chapter two and verse one says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. The church began in Jerusalem. It began on the day of Pentecost. And that was the occasion when the apostle Peter preached about Jesus, that Jesus lived and that Jesus died and that Jesus was raised from the dead. And there were those who inquired, what shall we do? And they were told to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins in Acts the second chapter, verse 38. There were about 3,000 that were baptized, verse 41, and they were added to the church by the Lord, verse 47. And so the church began in Jerusalem. It began on Pentecost. It was composed of the saved. And it maintained the unity for which Jesus prayed. All that believed were together. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. There was that unity for which our Lord prayed in John 17, that we would all be one as He and the Father were one. That's verses 20 and 21. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, laid down the platform for Christian unity when he said there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. I want to make a plea today for Christ's church not for some man-made organization, but for that church that began in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And then I'd like to make a plea for Christ's name. You know, some people, the name is of little consequence. Oh, they say there's not really anything in a name. Or one name is as good as another name. Well, I want to make a plea for you to accept the name of Christ. The name of Christ. His name. Neither is there salvation any other. For there is no other name under heaven. Give it among men. For by you must be saved. And when we obey the gospel, we wear that name. Christian. Christian. And you cannot spell Christian without spelling Christ. 
In Acts 11, 26, the Bible says the disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. Peter said and wrote in 1 Peter 4, 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. You see, when one becomes a disciple of Christ, and when he obeys the gospel, he's married to Jesus. Wherefore, become dead to the law, but the body of Christ, that we should be married to another, Romans 7 and 4. Our relationship to Jesus is like that of a husband and wife, Christ being the husband and the church or the saved being his bride. And as the bride of Christ, ought not we to wear his precious name and just call ourselves Christians, just Christians, not X kind of a Christian or a Y kind of a Christian or a Z kind of a Christian, just a Christian. We're not Pharisee Christians and Sadducee Christians and we're just, just, just Christians. And I want to make a plea for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I make a plea also for Christ's gospel. The gospel is the power of God to change the hearts of men. That power to change hearts is in the gospel. It's not in a man. The power to save the world is not in some personality. It is in the gospel. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The power is in the gospel. The gospel is the message. It is the message. That's why Jesus in Mark 16 and verse 15 says, Go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. In 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and in verse 15, Paul said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. For the preaching of the gospel is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. And it's God's saving power. And the gospel is good news to a perishing world. It is the news that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised the third day according to Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. And we need to obey the gospel. In order for the gospel to, 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 to save us, we must obey it. Listen to Paul in Romans, the 6th chapter, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. Well, when did they become servants of righteousness? When they obeyed the, from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered them. A form of what doctrine? A form of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 
How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized in his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we obey the gospel by dying to sin, being buried with Christ in baptism, arising to walk in the newness of life, and we continue to obey that gospel by walking in the light as he is in the light, 1 John 1, 7, having our conduct worthy of the gospel, Colossians uh, chapter 1 and verse number 27. I would urge you to obey the gospel. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, what about baptism? Well, the Bible teaches that we're to be baptized. Listen to some of these verses, Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Listen to Acts twenty two sixteen, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. The Bible teaches that we are to die to sin, be buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Let me ask you, will you obey the gospel today? In the final analysis of things, that which will really matter is what did I do with the gospel. And then finally, I'd like to make a plea for Christ's invitation. Right now, Jesus, as it were, is standing with outstretched arms inviting you to come to him. And tenderly, he says, come unto me. What will you do with Jesus? Let me make a plea today for Jesus Christ. I lift him up as the Savior of the whole world. I want to thank you for watching today. I'd invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And please right now, without delay, pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible correspondence course, and we'll send it to you just as quickly as we possibly can. This is urgent that you learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thousands of people are studying the Bible in this way. We want you to be one of them. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.